Let's do it. Let's have fun. Let's, let's have some fun. All right. Maxime Bernier, welcome to the Grands My Gears podcast. Uh, thank you for joining me this morning. Uh, first of all, it's actually not Maxime. It's the Honorable Maxime Bernier. How do I get myself that title? No, you you can call me Max, and that's okay. You know, um, I'm an honorable because I was a minister under the Harper government, and in um, in our parliamentary system, yeah. uh, every uh, every minister uh, they can have that title. But between you and me, I don't use it. I don't like it. My name is Maxim or Max, and that's perfect. Or or Mad Max. That's even better. <laughs> That's an even better one. Uh, so, well, thank, thanks for joining me today. I think uh, this is this is a great opportunity for uh, Canadians to see uh, politicians like yourself uh, come out and talk to regular people like myself. Uh, and I just want to thank you for doing this and for, for what you've been doing in the public as well. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. No problem. Um, so let, let's start with this. Because um, what I did when you know, we were scheduled to talk is I actually went around and specifically went and talked to people in my community. Like I'm, I'm a martial artist, I'm a fighter, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm in the fitness industry. So I wanted to bring to you questions that regular people had, uh, not, not that, you know, what media has and all, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, I mean, I wanted to start with like the first, last three years, it's been incredibly hard on everybody, uh, myself, yourself included is, is a, really crazy transition but the biggest thing that people have seen and people are are noticing and and feeling is a massive mistrust of politicians and the political establishment and one of the things they want to know from you is you know policies aside what what are you as a man like as a leader what can you do for them to help reestablish that trust in politicians and in that political structure but for first you're right by saying that the trust in politician is very very low and you know it's because of them it's because of establishment politicians career politicians uh because you know they are doing politics based on survey and polling and focus group and so they don't have any conviction and principles so they will tell you what you want to hear and maybe after that doing the opposite and i understand you know it, it, it's a big challenge uh, when i was elected the first time uh, in 2006 uh, i was a member of parliament from 2006 in canada until 2015 uh, 2019 sorry and so when i was elected uh, the first time in 2006 the participation rate uh, at the federal level in Canada uh, was very low at that election. I think only 58% or something like that. Yeah. And the day after the election, uh, we, we, when I'm saying we, myself, and a, a Liberal member of parliament and an NDP member of parliament, uh, were together uh, and we, um, we were asked by a, a TV station in Quebec to have that discussion about you know the fact that people uh, don't vote and the participation rate was so low so i was the last one to speak about it and the first two politicians said oh we must you know promote democracy uh, doing more promotion in school and blah 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 and i said no 
the problem is not the people. The problem is not uh, Canadians. The problem is us as politicians. Yeah. We need to change. And when people are not voting, they're telling us, you know, what you're doing, I, you know, it's, it's all the same. You're all the same. And I don't want to waste my time to go and vote. And that, so that, that's I, exactly what I see in our, in our, in our community, even on, on voting day. Like, for example, on polling day for Ontario, that, it was the worst turnout in, in, in history. And if you look at the last two federal elections, uh, the numbers have declined as well. I mean, you could attribute some to the pandemic, of course, but it, regardless, numbers shouldn't go down in terms of voting. It should always either remain the same or go up. And, you know, when I was in the gym, on, I, I did the early voting. When I, I was in the gym on voting, the gym was packed. And I'm like, I'm asking some people, I'm like, you know, are you going to vote? No. And they're like, no, what's the point? They're all the same. Right? Yeah. So, uh, and uh, I, I agree with that. Uh, career politicians are all the same. They're all doing the politics the same way, try to do something. You don't have any credibility and people don't trust them. Yeah. So, so that's why I left the, the Conservative Party of Canada in 2018 and we created the People's Party because we are doing politics differently. So answering your question, why people must trust Maxime Bernier and the People's Party is because we are doing politics differently. And that is not a slogan. That is not a boss. <laughs> yeah. That is reality. Because we have a vision of this country with a smaller government in Ottawa and more freedom. And, and we know that we believe that we have the best vision for this country based on Western civilizations and Western values, individual freedom, personal responsibility, respect and fairness. And so we are speaking about what we believe openly with passion and conviction. And we believe the more we speak about something, about an idea, the more popular it would be. But usually, if you're a politician, a traditional politician, you will speak about something if maybe 35, 40% of the population is on your side. Yeah. That's why during COVID-19, the last two years, we didn't have any opposition at the provincial level and at the federal level, because these traditional politicians <laughs> Their only goal is to be in government, and and at that time, if you if you did a, a poll or, or a survey, 60-55% of the population agreed with the draconian measures, so they wanted to be in government. They didn't want to have 50 or, or 60 people, 60% uh, per of the population not on their side, so that's why we didn't have any opposition against the the draconian measures that were imposed to us during the last two years. Yeah. So we spoke about freedom. We spoke against that when it was not popular two years ago. And, you know, I, I remember the first rally that I did in Montreal in March 2020. If we uh, were maybe uh, 100 person, that was the maximum. And yeah. the last one that we did two years after that, we had 45,000 people yeah. marching in the street in Montreal. Yeah. So we, are, we, we, we have ideas, we believe that our ideas are the best one and we just need to speak about it. And we don't try to pander to every special interest group. If yeah. you like what I'm saying, I hope that you'll vote for me. If not, please vote for another politician, vote for these establishment politicians. So that's why people don't trust politicians anymore. In terms of like, getting yourself out there and speaking to people. Now, I, I did an interview with Melissa Lan Lansman. She's the um, the shadow uh, transport minister. 
And one of the big things she said was that people in Ottawa don't talk to people outside of Ottawa. Um, basically stating MPs and these people in power don't talk to their constituents, the people who elect them. Is part of the strategy that you guys are going to be employing to really put yourself out there in the community more than ever before in terms of political awareness and political parties? Yes, absolutely, because we cannot trust the, the mainstream media to, to cover us, actually, uh, they, they ignore us. They don't want us to have more visibility. So yeah. that's why I'm very pleased to do that podcast with you. And, uh, and I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> we are using social media, so 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 our strategy is simple. Uh, you know, uh, we have the same platform. We created that party uh, based on four principles, like I said before, yeah. and all our policies are in line with these uh, principles. We won't change. So the platform that we had at our first election for us as a new political party at the federal level was the election of 2019. And, and uh, I spoke about the same platform at the last election in 2021, and at the next election, it would be the, the next same platform. But, you know, if you're a traditional establishment political party, you'll do some survey and polling before an election, and you, you'll change your platform. Uh, you know, you'll look at the win, and, and for us, that's, that's not the case. So answering your question, I need to be out there, and and yes, actually, uh, I'll, I'll I'll be on the road. I'm actually leaving uh, tomorrow, uh, not tomorrow, but uh, Tuesday next Tuesday for uh, Western Canada for another then, Mad Max tour, right? <laughs> in Calgary, I was in the Maritime um, uh, in May for three weeks. Uh, so yes, the goal is to build a party and speaking to people and, and, and answering their questions and, yeah. and telling them uh, what is our vision for this country. Now, we don't build big fat government that will tell you what to do with your day-to-day -day life, for sure. Now, do you think this strategy that you guys are going to be employing will work with um, the voters that are on the left? Now, we look at we have uh, the Liberal Party and the NDP and this weird coalition junk that they're doing. Um, I think a, a long way to go for you guys, but do you think this strategy can help reach some of those people who are, you know, almost resistant to that kind of um, platform because they're, they're glued to uh, mainstream media, CBC, CTV, all those news outlets that kind of ban you guys. So how would you be able to spread your message to those people and even just begin a meaningful conversation with them. Yeah, so I believe that if I, I look at the past, uh, I believe roughly that our supporters, uh, you know, are maybe a third uh, uh, who are coming from the Conservative Party of Canada, another third uh, coming from the NDP and the Liberals, so, so the NDP and the Liberals, and another third, that's the people uh, are people that uh, who never voted at the federal level. Yeah. So, uh, as you as we just said, forty percent of them uh, didn't vote at the last election. So that being said, uh, we can attract people from different political backgrounds uh, because of our ideas. So, and and the goal is to be able to reach them. And uh, yeah, I, I hope that I'll I'll uh, I'll be able to reach them and have their support. But also, the good news for us is uh, the next election. Uh, I will be able to participate in the national debates on yeah. TV, 
with the other leaders. Uh, that was the case at our first election in 2019. Uh, in 2021, I think they were afraid of us. They said for a new political party, uh, that party will need to have 4% of the vote to be on the stage. We had 5% at the last election. Yes. So I'll be on the stage. And yes, the uh, people who are listening to CTV and CBC and Radio Canada yeah. uh, are able to at least to be exposed to them. So uh, we'll see. But I cannot count on the mainstream media to uh, speak about us and to be fair with us. So uh, oh, I can't can be able we can't count on them for anything now, right? Uh, information, information has to be in the uh, in the hands of the the person seeking it at this point in, in age in terms of technology. Now, I wanted to touch on uh, the conservative party because you did come from the conservative party, and and you did say a quote a while back saying the conservative conservative party is intellectually and morally corrupt. Um, now, you know, I. I, I'm very open about my, I, I traditionally voted conservative. I traditionally voted conservative. In the last election, um, me and my wife and my, my, my family here, we, we didn't see those values that we traditionally wanted. And so I wanted you to expand on that that quote and, and kind of reflect on, on what you really meant by that and how that kind of should resonate with other conservative voters. Um, that traditionally vote conservative of why you kind of meant that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for asking. Uh, so uh, the, I said that uh, in 2018. Yeah, when you started the party, right? Uh, yeah, when I resigned from the Conservative Party of Canada, uh, I did a press conference at that time and I, I said that. And I said that because uh, it was based on my experience with the Conservative Party of Canada. And uh, further, uh, that has been proof, and I'll give you more examples. Yeah. But when I didn't, as you know, I was uh, also a candidate for the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada yeah. in uh, 2017. I didn't win with 49% of the vote. And after that, I tried uh, for uh, about 13 months to work with the establishment of the Conservative Party of Canada, to yeah. work with the leader at that time, Andrew Scheer, and I asked them to take some of my ideas because they were very popular. I had 49% of yeah. the vote. Yeah, and half of the vote, basically. So that means half of the conservative uh, uh, members actually agreed with your policies and your... And your... Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and so, uh, so at that time, I, I had a, a discussion with uh, Andrew Scheer uh, 13 months after the leadership uh, contest. And I told him, you know, why are, are why are you not taking some of my um, uh, ideas? Yeah, and he was very honest uh, when he told me uh, the reason why. He said, Maxime, your ideas were very popular with the membership of the Conservative Party of Canada, yeah. but they are not popular with the main population, with all Canadians. So we are going uh, and will be in election soon. So we won't take any of your ideas uh, because we won't be able to win an election taking some of your ideas. Yeah. So when he said that, I, and I resigned, I said, I don't want to run with a party that is not conservative. Uh, our goal is to fight for what we believe. And I know that we are living in a socialist era 
and that's a big challenge. But if you're a conservative, you must speak about conservative ideas. What Andrew Scheer and after that Utul did is they're giving more credibility to the leftist narrative by speaking like them and having the name conservative. So that's why when I'm, when I'm telling you that the Conservative Party of Canada is doing politics based on survey and polling. And now you have another leadership. And actually, after that, you had O'Toole that, you know, he knew that I, I didn't win with 49% of the vote and speaking and being a real conservative. So O'Toole said to himself, if I want to win, I need to be like Bernier. So I'll be a true blue. That was his platform. Yeah. And after that, went right back on it, he went right back on it. <laughs> yeah went back to the left. Uh, and the reason is because also, don't forget, there's more seats in the GTA around Toronto yeah. than in all Alberta. And if you want to be in government, uh, you will try to please them. And that's more, they're more leftists over there. Yeah. So O'Toole did that. So now you have a, a new leadership contest. And now you have Poliev that is speaking like a conservative. And it's normal because he wants to be the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada. Yeah. But also don't forget, he wants to be PM also, Prime Minister. Yeah. So he will do like Sheer, he will do like O'Toole, he will go to the left a couple of months before the election. And so just to swing the vote, so, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, just, just to please and just to pander to special interest group. And uh, so that's why we cannot trust them. They are not conservative. They don't fight for real conservative ideas. Yeah. And, and we, and I don't, we are like a common sense political party. And that's why we are able to attract people not only coming from the Conservative Party of Canada, but like I said before, for other, from other uh, political parties. And, and they like the way that we are doing politics. You know, yeah. you like it, come with us. You don't, don't vote for us. And, and actually it's, it's working because we started that party four years ago, 0%. Our first election in 2019, 1.6%. The last election, 5%, more Sorry. than the party. Yeah, you're, two, you're growing at an insane rate in terms of your support, right? Absolutely. Now, now to build on to build on what you just said, when I did the interview with Melissa, I I asked her about you know Doug Ford and his policies because I'm very open. I, I voted for the guy in in the in his in his last. I did not vote for him this time. I I I'll never vote for him again in terms of him as as a leader. Now I asked her why you know why were the conservatives so on board with the lockdowns and the policies that were happening that was spewing out of Queens Park at that time, and. To, to, to go back to what you said, and I wish I had pushed back a little bit more when I spoke to her, uh, but she said basically the left-leaning governments around the world were doing it one way, and it would have looked irresponsible for them to do it a different way, the traditional, the traditional conservative way. And to me, that was a very poor excuse, um, uh, and I wish I had pushed back on it a little bit, but I mean, at the same time, she's not the one making the policies in terms of the provincial level. But I, I see what you mean in terms of, of the traditional conservative views, because it seems like the party at this point in time, when it suits them to be conservative, they're conservative. But when, you know, there's social issues and stuff that come up, they they're like, OK, well, you know, we're going to, you know, shove our base aside and kind of move over towards what's popular at the time. You think that that's basically how the party and the direction of them are going right now? 
Absolutely. They're speaking about what is popular. And, and it's not because something is popular that is just and true. And, and, and we, we are speaking about things that, that we think are just and true, uh, great ideas, and, and believing in people, not believing in big, like, big fat government. So, and the more, the more you speak about it, the more support you have, and people appreciate it. I believe that you know, in 2022, uh, uh, Canadians are ready for a, a, a real chance for a, a populist party, a smart, I like to say a smart, populist party because i don't try to appeal to your emotion i don't do i don't do that i don't play that game i don't try to do if you you need to read our platform i want to appeal to your intelligence and i believe that canadians are intelligent people so uh, go on our website people's party of canada read our platform look at our principles and if you like it i hope you support us yeah and uh i want to move on to something because like one of the main criticisms of your party and i'm not saying i I generally agree with that i'm just saying what's on the mainstream media and what people tend to hear is they kind of the the mainstream media labels the people's party as racist uh and uh all these sorts of different things uh uh far right i've even seen you know some some uh, articles and some publications saying you know it's very trump-like uh a party Right. Uh, how do you go about that? You know, we have a few. Uh, I don't know when another election will come, but based on how things are going, it, you know, it could be soon as soon as soon as that coalition breaks down. It could be very soon. How do you go about breaking that narrative that the, the mainstream media has painted of your party? Well, the time is on our side. Uh, you're right that they tried that. You know, at our first election, they were saying we're a racist party because we had a position on immigration that is reasonable. We are against mass immigration for sustainable immigration, more uh, skilled immigrants and, and fewer fake refugees. And they didn't want to hear that. So they, they were saying that we were racist. And, uh, you know, we were able to have 1.6% of the vote. And they were saying at that time, well, that party will die, Bernier, you know, yeah. future for the people's party. And actually the next election we had 5%. So, so uh, you know, we know, I don't have to explain, I don't have to explain to Canadians that I'm not a racist. I don't have to do that. I won't go there. Just yeah. look at our platform and you'll see by yourself. So, uh, and uh, if I have an opportunity to uh, be on the mainstream media, CBC or Radio Canada, I will always speak about our platform and, uh, and showing Canadians that, you know, if you look at the facts, that's, uh, that's not the reality. Yeah. I think, I think one of the reasons that kind of came up too is, uh, you know, you know how the media do, they dig. And I think one of the things that voters and supporters of yours want to know is um, some of the candidates that the PPC has are voted are viewed as not as strong as you know some of the other parties in, in terms of their experience, uh, their ability to communicate. Some of them have a little bit of checkered past, as does everybody. So it's not fair to judge people on that, in my opinion. Um, what are you guys doing to bring in a stronger candidate bunch this time to kind of counter some of the uh more established uh mps that are out there that are you know don't have don't have that um that kind of that um media digging into their past and digging up these things to label them as racist and stuff what are you guys doing to bring in stronger candidates this time 
Yeah, I, I just want to go back to what we did when we created the party in 2018. Uh, as you know, our goal was to uh, increase, not increase, but having a, a candidate in every riding to give the opportunity to every Canadian to be able to vote in line with their values. So we had only uh, less than a one year to build a new political party from coast to coast to coast. Yeah. So yeah, we, the quality of our candidate was not uh, perfect, if I can express myself like that. But we gave the opportunity to a lot of Canadians to vote for their values. We had 313 candidates uh, on 338 at our first election in 2019. Yeah. But I can tell you that the second election for us, the 2021, the last election, last September, the quality of our candidate improved a lot because we had more time uh, to uh, do a, a research on them, background check and all that. Yeah. Uh, we lawyers, uh, uh, professor, university professor, uh, workers, uh, truck drivers, the quality of our candidates improve a lot. And so uh, I believe that at the next election, uh, actually, uh, we will uh, improve again the quality of our candidates because now people understand uh, what is the PPC? Yeah. What are our values? So they understand that and they're coming with us for the right reason. Maybe at the first election, they were not coming from the right reason. And so now uh, I'm very proud of all the candidates that we had at the last election, the 313 candidates that we had at the last election. And, um, and we, are, we have right now the time to implement a very strong process for selecting our candidates and we will do it. Okay, so you're, you're basically you're telling people that we're you're going to be doing a more stringent uh, kind of background checks and figuring out more and making sure that these people can uh, uphold the values of the PPC and, and can compete with these other MPs. Right uh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Uh, but uh, also, you know, we're a populist party. Uh, we want people, uh, ordinary Canadian, you know, and yeah. uh, we don't look at their CV and I, I don't we are looking at their CV but yeah. we don't want them to have a huge resume and being you know we want them to be dedicated to you want real Canadians you want real Canadians yeah, yeah okay I understand yes. so would you say that in terms of your candidacy and the, and the people that you have you're looking for more people that can relate to the public than career politicians is that what people can expect in terms of your candidates yeah, yeah. I think we don't. Uh, we didn't have any career politician with us, and and um, we want people that know what it is to work hard and, and you know uh, have a boss. Actually, yeah. me myself, I'm not a career politician. Yeah. Uh, no, in 2006, uh, for my first time, I was elected. I was 42 years, uh, 43 years old, and I worked. 19 years in the private sector before yeah. uh, compared to uh, for example Pierre Poliev he was elected uh, first time in 2004 at 25 years old and he never had a real boss he is a career politician yeah. uh, but no we're not we're, we're, we're working for people for our country for the sovereignty of our country and I'm very proud of all our all our candidates now talking about Poliev he's, he shot he shot he, he put some shots fired on you when he did a, an appearance uh, someone asked him about the World Economic Forum, and he's like, why don't you ask Maxime uh, why he was there? Now, you have put out a statement that you were there because 
of uh, your, your role as the uh, foreign affairs minister with the Harper government. But I think what a lot of a lot of people in Canada right now are, are nervous about this thing, nervous about the World Economic Forum and their globalist agenda, and the fact that you know it is shown and it is proven that they have infiltrated quote quote the Canadian cabinet and the Canadian uh, government. Um, now, what is, was your was your involvement deep in terms of uh, uh, being there? What was, <laughs> Oh, okay, so I just want to answer that again, and that's not the first time. And I'm yeah, I'm I, I, that's that... not the first time. I, I have follow up questions, but I want I want people to to hear it from yeah. your mouth. What why why you were there other than being yeah. the minister? Yeah, that, that's why uh, that's why I appreciate that question. It's important to clarify all that. Um, but what you said about the World Economic Forum that are that is infiltrated. Uh, uh, Politician, I believe that there's uh, their ideology, uh, their the globalist ideology and socialist ideology. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and all his uh, cabinet uh, supported that ideology. Uh, speaking about myself, yes, you're right. I was in Davos. I was not at the conference. That's a big difference. I was at Davos at the same time in 20, 2008 when, um, when they had the conference. Because, like you just said, at that time I was foreign affairs minister, and at that time Canada uh, was in war against uh, uh, in Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Yeah, and so and, and so as you know, our Canadian forces didn't have the the, the best equipment at that time, and still don't. Still don't. And, and so my job, I knew that at that conference I'll be able to speak to a lot of my counterparts, other foreign affairs minister to yeah. ask them for, to help us in Afghanistan. So uh, I was there for two days. I had a lot of meetings with all my counterparts that were there for that conference. So, okay. and I was successful because we had the support of Germany, France, and, and other European countries in Afghanistan. So I had my meeting with, with my counterparts. And after that, after two days of meetings with them, I left the conference. So I did not assist at that conference. So I was there to uh, to be sure that uh, our our um, our position in Afghanistan uh, uh, and being sure that our Canadian forces will have the the right tools uh, to be able to do their job over there. So, so Poly Polyev's comment then was just basically to shit disturb to put it. Oh like oh yeah oh yeah yeah. It's, it's not telling the truth. Yes, I was there in Davos, but I was not at that conference. And I was there for a very important reason as foreign minister to be sure that our Canadian forces uh, will have the right equipment and support from other uh, allies uh, countries. Okay. So uh, going forward with this, this specific topic, I think like a lot of Canadians want to know, um, you know, if... MPs in your caucus or, or candidates in your caucus do find to be involved with the World Economic Forum. You know, what is your stance on on that and how would you approach uh, that in terms of uh, dealing with that? But, but first, we are the only national political party that is not globalist. And, and yeah. you know, we, we had the same position at the first election in 2019. Actually, you can see when I was on the stage and debating, uh, there's a video of me uh, telling the truth about that, that yeah. the pe people's party is not a globalist party. We are put 
putting our country first, Canada first and Canadian first. Yeah. And we don't want any international organization to impose their point of view. Actually, for the Conservative Party of Canada, they are globalists. Uh, you know, they, they're, they're, they're okay with the UN compact on migration. They're yeah. okay with mass immigration coming from the UN. They're okay with the climate change treaty, the Paris Accord. Yeah. They're okay with that. Uh, they will sign the Paris Accord. They won't impose a carbon tax, but they will impose more regulations on businesses. And we know that that at the end, it's a cost for consumers. So they, they will fight climate change because they, they agree with that uh, Paris, Paris Accord treaty. So we, are not, so we are not a globalist, contrary to the conservatives and the liberals. And uh, about your question about the World Economic Forum, uh, you're right that they have a lot of influence in Canada, but they won't have any influence uh, with our party. Uh, you know, our position how, is clear. How would you deal? How, how would you deal? Like, I think what, what I'm trying but, to get at. Hey, be, being very clear, we won't participate in these meetings. We yeah. we don't want to be part of that. Our goal would be to promote our sovereignty. And yeah. it's same thing. Our position on the UN, you know, the Canada is spending a billion dollars a billion dollars on UN. So we can save that. We need to balance our budget. Yeah, Pierre yeah. is not saying anything about the UN, about the billion dollars that we are spend, spending there. Yeah. What we said about it, we can save that money. We won't participate with uh, the UN or the World Economic Forum only, only if it's in line with our values. And if it's not, we're going to say goodbye. But actually, they're socialist organizations. So yeah. it is not in line with our values. So, but the conservative, the NDP, the liberals uh, are okay with the UN. And I said, the UN is a dysfunctional organization. Yeah. We won't support the UN. So that's a big difference. And it's not a, a talking point. It's the reality. But the, the question that you must ask, and we must ask to Pierre Poliev, what will do? How come you're going to sign the Paris Accord? What what you're going to do for the mass immigration? And you are signing the UN Compact on Migration. You agree with that? So he is a globalist, and we must ask him a question about the billion dollars that we are spending and giving to the UN. To so what is organizations? His, yeah, he doesn't have any position on that because it's not popular to speak about that. <laughs> yeah. Afraid of the media. So that's another example of the way that he's doing politics. So Pierre Poliev as a leader or, or, or another person, yeah. it would be the same. The party is intellectually and morally corrupt. Now, I, I, I tend to agree with you on this, on that one. But what I, I think what more, after the last couple of years, like we talked about the distrust Canadians have, right? And the concerns that people have with the World Economic Forum and their globalist uh, like a lot of politicians, for example, Pierre has denounced them and said that and said similar things. I think what Canadians want to hear at this. You know, from Pierre just said, I won't allow my minister to go to this meeting. Yeah. But that's that's nothing. The real question is, what are you going to do with the billion dollars that we are spending to the UN? How come you, you, you're for mass immigration coming from the UN? All that that's policies that are important for the future of this country yeah. and on all these uh, subjects agreed with the uh, liberal yeah and he did and i think what canadians are looking for is some sort of guarantee that if members of uh the, you know the people's party if you guys are in power uh what would be the the punishment for these mps is it just going to be a slap on the wrist like 
we don't we like i think most canadians can say they don't want to see the world economic forum and that globalist agenda you know coming into canada and what we've seen so far when when politicians uh break the rules so to speak is it's mostly a slap on the wrist maybe sometimes a very tiny fine is there some sort of uh legislation or something that you would put in to make sure that this infiltration doesn't happen if it doesn't align with our, the Canadian values and, and, and your party's values? You know, we are asking all our candidates to, when they, when they decided to, in the past, they decided to be a candidate and in yeah. the future also, uh, to agree with our policies. And, you know, they're there to fight for our, our policies and our principle. And by signing that, by, by only the fact by being a candidate for the PPC, they agree. They, they, they agree that you know okay. we must fight for our platform. So they won't they won't be at these meetings. And and the question is not, you know, you can they won't, but you can say our oh, people won't be at these meetings, but on the same time, you know, signing all these treaties with the UN and and and, and you know it, the impact is there. Yeah. Uh, Poliev can say, you know, oh our people won't go to these meetings, but that's not the real question. The real question is the party and, and the policies that Polyev is promoting is if a globalist policy. Yeah. They are globalist policies in line with the UN and the World Economic Forum. So can you guarantee, I know this is a hard question to ask, can you guarantee that if some of the candidates did, you know, somehow squeeze out and, and started uh, working with the World Economic Forum, that they would be immediately kicked out and and dealt with in terms of be part of our party anymore okay. <laughs> because that's that's not the philosophy of our party so okay. they won't be they, so, they won't so be, there won't be this slap on the wrist denouncing thing it will be like you're out and you know whatever per, whatever behavior you were doing behind the scenes you're gonna have to pay for yeah because you knew you, you decided to be a candidate for the ppc and so you knew by doing that that your goal is to be sure that our platform will will be put in action in legislation and you agreed with our platform so what you're doing it's against the platform and and you're out that's yeah. it i think but, that's that's very important like what you just said is very important for people to hear because i think that that builds the trust that you know i a lot of people feel this way max that like when when politicians say something that they don't do it they get a slap on the wrist and they go about their life right so i think people want to hear that if if they go against what we voted for or what they voted for, you know, they will be held accountable going forward under a government with you, right? Yeah, yeah, but also don't be wrong also, uh, you know, I want our candidates to uh, vote on any subjects that would be in line with their conscience. Like for example, uh, you know, I want to impose anything on the abortion file. I said the party doesn't have any position on abortion. It's a personal, uh, questions and uh, you'll be able to vote uh, for a bill on abortion on about in line with your belief so so believe in more free vote in the house uh, when it's about all the things that are not in our platform so but everything that is in our platform our candidates and members of parliament must support the platform okay and i wanted to shift gears a little bit um because i am from the sports at, uh, atmosphere i'm from the health and fitness background i'm you know that's my industry that's my business that i run and it has been absolutely trashed over the last three years and to be quite honest as an as a professional athlete growing up in this country 
there hasn't ever been much support at the federal level for athletes as much as they like to pretend that there is. Um, and it's not a topic that a lot of people cover because it's not, well, it's not popular, right? But in, in my community, it is because like when you look at the U.S., as flawed as the U.S. is, there's one thing that brings them together more than anything, and it's, it's a sport. Like you go to an NFL game on a Sunday, it doesn't matter if it's Democrat, Republican, they don't give a shit. They're there to support that team. They're there to scream, chant. They're there to have fun. And it's one thing that I'm very passionate about. The sport brings people together. And I've seen athletes in this country absolutely decimated in terms of help finances from the federal government compared to counterparts like the U.S. We expect our athletes to perform at a certain level, yet we don't give them the support they need. Like if you go to the U.S., they have the Olympic Training Center. These, those athletes are making livable wages. And when I say livable, not the bullshit 20000 30,000 bucks that our government gives. You can't live off of that. You can't as a as a full-time athlete, you can't live off of that. Is there anything that you were willing to do and put into place to help support that industry and bring it up to a point where, you know, it can be a point of national pride. You know what I mean? Cuz when you go to the US on a Friday night, they're all at the high school football game, right? Yeah. And there's there's a few reasons to go on about that, but one of them is, you know, funding. Those coaches are getting paid. So there's a uh, high degree of urgency and to put into these young men young women to develop them to give them those experiences but in canada that's not here can we look forward to something like that from you yes absolutely uh, and me personally i'm a runner i like to run uh, i'm running marathon that's my sport yeah. uh, and so uh, sport is important but also what we must do at the federal level we are spending a lot of money uh, on on uh, uh, policies and, and things that are not under our jurisdiction. We can save a lot of money. We can save, like I said, a billion dollars uh, cutting the UN. We can save five billion dollars by cutting uh, foreign aid. We can save between five to ten billion dollars by cutting corporate welfare. So, and our goal is to balance the budget and, and doing all these uh, reforms. But also we must reinvest in our own jurisdiction. And I believe that our country, Canada, we have a role to play there. And yes, we must give all the tools that athletes uh, need to be able to compete at the international level. And, uh, and that must be the case. So of the position of our party, we will reinvest, for example, in our Canadian forces, that's part of a, a responsibility. That's uh, uh, the, the responsibility of the federal government. Yeah. Yes. With athletes, we can do the same by cutting all the spending that is not under our jurisdiction, that politicians are doing because they want to control it a little bit more. They want to buy votes. We won't play that game. So uh, uh, the, the questions to your answer is, yes, we must be proud. We must help our athletes and, and they must be an example for for young younger generations and what i'm more concerned about is like I, i'm a professional so when all the lockdowns were happening i found a way i we have connections we were training we were doing our thing but it's the young men and the young women the kids that suffered the most out of this whole time and it's going to have a ripple effect not only in athletics but in just in education in general um how can we support these young men and women because some of them to be quite honest, they lost the last two years of competitive sport and any dreams and aspirations they did have of competing at the next level, at the university level and further and beyond. 
are kind of almost crushed now. But no politician is willing to talk about that. You know, everyone's about every child matter. Well, what about the children that are here that are suffering now that have lost their hopes and dreams for the last two years? Yeah, but I, I spoke about it, you know, uh, in the beginning of that pandemic in March 2020, I said we must reopen the economy. You know, lockdowns is not the solution. When I was saying there that I was the only politician and people were saying Bernie is crazy. We must, uh, you know, the, the virus is very deadly for everybody. And yeah. no, that was not the case. No. The virus was deadly for older people, more than 70 years old, with comorbidities, not one or two or three comorbidities. And 80% of our death here in Quebec during COVID-19 are people older than 75 years old yeah. with comorbidities. So that being said, I was there because I knew, we, I said we must reopen our school, our kids must be able to play sport. I said that, but at the same time, the conservative and Polyev and all these establishment politicians were okay. They were okay with all these policies and that was not the case. So shame on them. And yes, we will always be there to, to promote you know, freedom of choice and people must be able, you know, that was crazy. You're in the middle of a pandemic and you want to take care of your health and you're not able to go to your gym. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's the fundamental thing that will keep you healthy. Like it's the one thing that if anything would prevent this thing from happening to you for prevent you from dying, right? You couldn't take care of your health. Could we expect from your government the, when you relocate those funds to maybe start programs where high school coaches are paid so that there is more funding for the high, cause I'm, as I love professional sports, but I am a firm believer that it starts at the grassroots level. And yeah. when I grew up in the high school system that I grew up in, uh, playing, I played football and I, I ended up playing in university, but it was severely underfunded. Coaches weren't paid. Uh, it was comparatively speaking, competitively speaking, it didn't give kids the tools. Sport is supposed to give them tools and assets to help them in the real world not to be professional athletes. That's just a bonus that uh, 1%, if not less, get. Can we expect you guys to relocate those funds towards programs like that and actually look at having competitive high school, competitive elementary school with paid coaches that are there for the kids to constantly be there for the kids and developing them? Uh, absolutely. Uh, but also I must add that the education is 100% of provincial jurisdiction. So what we can do, we can have program at the federal level that will promote uh, our elite uh, athletes, uh, but also we must look at the other uh, way that we can also be sure that kids will have access to sports. Yes. Uh, that, that must be a discussion that we must have in this country. Absolutely. Uh, it's, I know I played football and when I was younger, at the, not at the university level, yeah. but at the college level and that was that gave that <laughs> gave me uh, discipline you know you have to be out there that was cold raining and you had to train and, and so sport was important for me in, in my life and um, I, I want everybody every kids to be able to practice the sport that they that they like that they love okay. uh, thinking about football uh, which position did you uh, did you play I started off at the defensive end, then they moved me to linebacker, and then I ended up being like that flex linebacker position where I was kind of I was big enough to play on the line sometimes, which I hated. 
because that then you got some big boys bar barreling down you on the line but then uh i preferred uh outside linebacker because i can get away from them i can shed the block and i didn't get to have crushed by them you know what i mean but i mean it, then I did something even more stupid and transitioned into cage fighting at the mixed martial arts. So, you know, oh. <laughs> I mean, that's what I do now. Like, you know, I get into a cage and fight people and like, that's what I, I get punched on the regular. Right. <laughs> so, um, what, one of the things before we wrap up is I wanted to talk to you on a personal level because, uh, this is something that happened during the pandemic where you were out doing your rallies and you were arrested and you were put in handcuffs and, you know, you were arrested basically for a quote, quote, violating public health measures, which we uh, like straight up all my listeners. Oh, that's bullshit. It's a bullshit. But what I want to know from you is as somebody who is out there, you know, trying to help people, trying to promote to get life back on track, to trying to spread the truth. Then you're there put in handcuffs in the back of a police car. You know, what was going through your mind? Were you um, almost, was it, was it like, that you were like, damn it, I'm doing this and sacrificing this, and now I'm in the back of a police car, and nobody even cares. Did you feel that way, or how did you feel when that moment happened, like on a personal level? Forget all the politics, forget all the bullshit aside. Like, you know, you've made this sacrifice to help people and to promote uh, getting back to normal and, and exposing the lies and the truth. And, you know, it almost seemed like, uh, majority of Canadians sort of sort of abandoned you at that point and and the media labeled you as as a criminal and all that how did you feel yeah i must say that you know i didn't expect to be arrested yeah uh, i was arrested after a, a meeting in a park with the executive of our riding association our volunteers there and at that time they were uh, the the rule in manitoba was no more then five person outside uh, gathering together. We were about 10 uh, and we had a discussion outside in a park and social distancing. And after that, I was the only one that was uh, arrested and cuffed and put in jail for 12 hours. And I'm still, by the way, waiting for my hearing. Yeah. Uh, they are postponing that, postponing that because I believe that they know that I will win. That was unconstitutional and illegal. Yeah. So. For me, when that happened, I knew that it was political repression. I knew that the premier of Manitoba didn't want me to do a big rally that was planned in Winnipeg uh, the day after. And I knew that, you know, they were afraid of the truth. They were afraid of the, the facts and, and, and they were afraid of, of what I was saying. They didn't want to have any debate. They didn't want me to be out there and to, to reach to more people. So that's why when I was arrested and when the police asked me and that came, you know, naturally yeah. uh, when he asked me, do you have uh, anything that can hurt me? That was his question. You know, that was the first time that I was arrested. I didn't know that, you know, they are asking that, that I didn't have any uh, firearms. I didn't have anything yeah, on exactly. me. Politician. So when he asked that question about, do you have anything that can hurt me? Uh, I was surprised and I said, no. Only my words, only my philosophy, but because that's what I'm doing as a politician. I'm selling ideas, I'm promoting ideas, and, and I want our ideas to be shared by more and more people. So, so that's why that was my answer. But uh, I can tell you that being in jail for 12 hours alone, uh, that's tough uh, morally. 
I can just, you know, I'm looking at uh, Tamara right now that uh, she's still in jail for nothing. And she was in jail exactly. for 18 days and now for another week. Uh, and, and, you know, she, she, she's not a criminal. No, over uh, what? It, was, it was a photograph that basically put her in there, that photograph that they take, took, right? Yeah, yeah. And, but she, uh, I, I was there actually, I, 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 I was at that gala. We were at the same table and she was just in front of me. And, you know, she took that photo because we had a, a photo of, of the table after that. She took that photo. She didn't speak to, to people that she was not supposed to speak. So yeah. that, that's just another political repression and harassment. And you do that in a, in, a, in, a, in a communist country. You're not supposed to do that in Canada. But that being said, uh, answering your question about my feeling at that time, uh, you know, you, first of all, you're alone. You question yourself yeah. about what you're doing. Um, and I, I, you know, I said, you know, did I did something wrong? Yeah, exactly. My first reaction was no. But you're, you ask that question again to yourself. And you're, you're stuck there. So you have to say it over and over and over in your head and nobody's talking to you. So like, did that send you into a bit for those 12 hours? Were you a, bit, a little bit depressed that, that they had come to that, that all those things that you were fighting for? And then this is where it led to me, led me to? A little bit, a little bit. Uh, you know, you have ups and downs, like in sport, like in life, like yeah. in every. When I was in my cell, you know, I oh, know, okay, I'm here and that's okay. Uh, I will, uh, I will be free uh, maybe in an hour. But uh, you know, you have some downs also saying, you know, I just want to go out. I, I did nothing wrong, and uh, and you question yourself. So so, but uh, uh, I had a good lawyer, and, and uh, I'm still waiting to to be uh, in front of a judge about it. And they don't want me to be in front of a judge because I believe that you know we have a strong, a very strong case. Yeah. So true. that being that being said. Um, you know, I don't wish that to my uh, my biggest enemy uh, to be in a jail for 12 hours. Especially for an, uh, a violation of the their, their, their chartered rights, right? Like, yeah. It, like, I mean, I give this example in a lot of my other podcasts. Like, when there was one of the lockdowns, like, I'm, I'm a fighter. Like, I don't need to punch people in the face, but I, I want to practice my art. I want to practice my art constantly and make it better and perfect it. And we went to a park to hit pads. Not, yeah. not violent. We weren't punching each other, but we were just hitting pads, just doing a regular kickboxing workout. And I was harassed by the bylaw officer. I was told I shouldn't be there, that what I was doing was illegal. And like, I almost popped off. I had to, you know, bring myself back and ground myself. Uh, was there a point where you were angry? Were you just angry at, at, at people and the things that, that that put you there? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, when when the, the police, uh, you know, uh, put the handcuff on me and, you know, I'm a politician. I, 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 I don't have any criminal record, uh, you know, yeah. a, a peaceful uh, citizen. So why doing that? Just bring me in your car and I will follow you and I will listen to you and, you know, I will I will respect your authority, but uh, handcuffed me. Uh, you know, I said, you know, I, yeah. I was not. Yeah, I was. I, I look at him. I said, why are you doing that? You know, I, I will follow you. I don't need that. I won't punch you in the face. Yeah, uh, I was not. I was not happy when he did that. 
and and I think it's important that we had this conversation because it shows that um that you're 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 a real person too. I think a lot of people get lost in like as much as I dislike Trudeau, as much as I realize he's a human being, right? We're all human beings, and that's what we're trying to do in this country is we're trying to fix that gap and fix that that this this thing that has come between everybody that you know just because i have a different point of view than you doesn't mean that you're any less of a human being than me doesn't mean that you have any less rights than me and i think that it's important for people to hear how you actually felt because what we see on tv and in the media is like we don't see feelings anymore we just see policies we just see platforms we just see agendas we just see that but we lose the real people behind those positions and if we get to know the real people behind those positions we'll actually be able to make smarter wiser decisions and and not only that but communicate and be civil towards each other do you think that that's what your aim is going forward and yeah yes absolutely uh, you know uh, respect respect each other respect canadians that's part of one of our funding principles individual freedom personal responsibility respect and fairness and yes, uh, and that's why uh, at the last uh, general election, I said we must respect everybody and unite everybody under the freedom umbrella and believing in freedom of choice. If you want to wear a mask or, or have the two shots, it's your decision, yeah. but the government must not impose that to you and we must respect you. And people must respect me if I decided, and I decided not to take the two shots. It's yeah. my own decision. But with all the propaganda and the, the divisive politics coming from the conservative and the liberals, uh, you know, they were, they were telling Canadians, there's good Canadians, the, the ones that are uh, taking the shots, and bad Canadians, yeah, yeah, the exactly. ones that are not taking the shots. And that was not our position. It's your own decision. Let's just respect your decision and have the freedom for everybody to be able to decide what they want to do with their own body. And I believe that if you want to have a, a, a good society uh, and uh, an open society, a good society, uh, that we must respect everybody and respect their choice, that the choices that they're doing. And I think that's that's one of the things that we've lost as Canadians over the last couple of years, because like you said, the, 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 the divisive politics, the only agenda in the last election from the liberals was to divide canadians on the, the topic of vaccines like the there was very little policy talking about it was like here let's pit them against each other to win a majority and it, yeah. it didn't it didn't work it didn't and it kind of shows why like you know now you have jagmeet and and trudeau making love in the parliament trying to keep things <laughs> trying to keep it uh keep keep things up but um I think what you said was was very beautiful and i think more canadians need to resonate with that because we do have a choice and the choice is to 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 we we vote for the people that we want to and and we hope that they institute those values that we as citizens put out there now before we finish this off i'm gonna i want to i want to i want to i want to find your opinion on this we have a conservative leadership race right um <laughs> Now there is, I won't lie, there are some strong candidates. Polyev's a strong candidate. Um, Roman Baber, who you know, like you, did speak up and he put his his self out there, put his uh, political career on the line, put his livelihood on the line, and he was he did lose a lot. You know, he was kicked out of caucus for that. Yeah. And, and then 
Leslin Lewis as well. Uh, Sheree, which I only I don't even entertain because somebody with here's my thing. Somebody with that bad hair cannot be on TV every day. As much as I dislike Trudeau, at least he does his hair. You know, Sheree, if you're gonna if you're gonna run for politics, you know, get a hairdresser, do something with your hair. You can you can. Um, of those of those uh candidates, who do you see winning? Who would you like to compete against? And if there is somebody like Baber who does win. Could you see you yourself working with them in the future? And uh, maybe not a merger, but in terms of being, you know, kind and friendly and, and working with them in terms of helping Canadians. Yeah, for, for me, whoever will be the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, uh, that won't change anything for us, for the People's Party. You know, uh, I'm too busy to yeah. promote years. And, you know, I'm not in politics uh, to try to change my, my strategy or, 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 or ideology because there's a, a new leader of the Conservative Party of Canada. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not doing politics against the Conservative Party of Canada. I'm doing politics for Canadians. And so we have strong ideas. We need to be out there to promote it. So, so you know, whoever would be the leader for me, uh, the, it's, it's not important. It's not important. I'm too busy to focus on growing the party, speaking about our values. And I believe that we will grow from 5%, maybe, I don't know, 6, 7, 10%, we'll see. And, uh, and uh, I will work very hard to be back in parliament. So I, I hope and I believe that we may have a couple of candidates that would be elected and yeah. would be able to start that real common sense freedom revolution in parliament. So that, that being said, for the Conservative Party of Canada, about the question about the uh, a possible merger with them or going back, so the answer is clear. It's a no, no, and no. I won't go back there. I said that party is intellectual and morally corrupt. And, you know, I said that four years ago, and I was right, and I'm still right. So, no, uh, I won't go back. I, I will... Uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, when we'll be in parliament, uh, if the government, if it's a liberal government or a conservative government, that they're doing something in line with our policy, for sure we'll vote for with them. But if not, we won't. And, uh, and that's our position. So, so to clarify that for everybody, so your position is like, it doesn't matter who gets in, whether it be Polyev, uh, Baber, whoever. If they're, if they're proposing something that aligns with the People's Party of Canada, you will work with them to help that come true. But if it's not, you're going to be as, just as much as an opposition as any other party. Is that, that that's basically what you're saying? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and, and for why? Because whoever would be the leader, they will go to the left. They're not real conservatives. So, but if uh, they propose something in line with, you know, if they want to and mass immigration and having fewer immigrants and, and reforming our immigration system uh, in line with our values, for sure, uh, we will support something like that. Uh, yeah. But, you know, everything that is in our platform, if the liberals or the conservative is doing that, you know, I will, I will, uh, I will be happy with it. Uh, but uh, our goal is to promote our ideas and to be a strong opposition uh, and maybe we don't know. We can have the balance of power after the election. Uh, look what happened in New Brunswick. Uh, not at the last election, but the one before. Yeah, yeah. 
new party and the, the were able to elect two uh, candidates and only with two candidates, they had the balance of power. So yeah. we don't know what can happen, but people can always count on us to, to be ourselves, to fight for what we believe and to always um, have the same platform and fighting for the same values. Yeah, and, and to kind of sum that up and wrap that up is like, in Canada, we've always had, like, since I've been growing, I'm, I'm only 33 years old. Since I've been alive, it's always been, you know, liberals. And there's always been a, a huge left kind of leaning uh, party system where uh, those two have held quite a bit of seats. And I think what the People's Party presents is an opportunity for Canada to shift some of that uh, power from the left to bring... Canada to almost, you know, where I tend, when people ask me, what's your political, my, my political, I'm, I'm in the center. You know what I mean? I, I, there's, there's policies that I agree with on there. There's policies I agree with on there. I think that, you know, if the people's party can pick up that some seats and kind of shift those powers, we might see a, a Canada where we finally will bring some, you know, me middle ground and stop, you know, being so divided on, on so many issues. Is that kind of where your vision of things are going to go over the next election in the next couple of years? Yes, but I don't like when people are saying, you know, we are a right-wing party or things like that. Yeah. We are a competent party. That's why we are able to attract people coming from different political backgrounds. They look at our platform. They like the way that we are doing politics and they like our principle. They like, you know, our authenticity. If you look on, the, on YouTube and you go on YouTube, you can find a video of me 13 years ago, saying the same thing that I'm saying today. Yeah. So we are real. And, uh, and that's why I'm asking people for the next election to vote for their values, to vote for what they believe in. Don't vote for against something, vote for something. Yeah. And you know, if you want, if you vote for what you believe, you have, you'll have more chances to have what you want. So that's why I believe the, the People's Party offer a real alternative to these establishment establishment political parties. All right, and I think that's a good way to, to wrap this up. Uh, before we go, can you tell everybody where they can find you, how they can see your guys' stuff? Because I know that there's a lot of censorship going on, so it's not easy to find a lot of your material, your stuff, your live streams. How can uh, everybody find you on social media and, uh, and through videos and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. First, they can um, go on the on our website, peoplespartyofcanada.ca. You are you're gonna be able to read our, our platform over there. Everything is there on social media. I'm very active on Twitter. Uh, uh, you know, you can follow me there, but also go on my Twitter account because we are shadow banned on Twitter. So uh, you need to go on a regular basis on my Twitter account, on YouTube, on the Rumble. Uh, we are also on. Um, um, uh, other platform like Instagram and so you know we, we, we try to be very present on social media I have also my uh, Mad Max show every two weeks uh, it's easy Maxime Bernier find me or People's Party of Canada you'll be able and if you have any uh, questions you can write to us at info at peoplespartyofcanada.ca it may take uh three or four, four days to answer your questions, but we will do it. And, and believe me, when he says that, they will do it. They will get back to you. It's one of the only uh, 
parties and politicians that are very open and i appreciate you for doing that and i appreciate you for coming on and speaking to people and being honest and and exposing yourself even in terms of your personality and and, and everything so i appreciate it max uh and that's been another episode